All right, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to find them. Uh, you might want to get you a sheet of paper. If you want to take some notes, you want to write them. Uh, you can go to our app, and you can find the notes there, as well as your life steps for the forthcoming week. I believe you can do the same thing on, uh, on our website. But right before we uh, open God's Word this morning, I just want to take a moment to pray, just like we do on the weekend. Uh, before we open God's Word, uh, we just kind of want to open ourselves up to His Spirit. So just take a moment there where you're sitting. Uh, wherever you are in the world, uh, wherever you are even next door, uh, just take a moment and be still and know that God is God. God, perhaps more than any time in many of our lifetimes, in some we would say we need a word from you in this ongoing confusion, this ongoing uh, disruption, this ongoing uncertainty of when this season is going to come to an end. We, we need a word from you. Uh, we're all in different places. Uh, many of us have fears uh, that we've never experienced before in our life. Uh, some, unfortunately, God, we're experiencing familiar things. Uh, some are experiencing some pains that are exaggerated, even, even worse because of this pandemic that's making its way around the world. So, God, we need a fresh word. We need a healing word. We need some encouragement. We need some hope. And we ask you to give it this morning. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. I want to begin by asking you a question. Uh, I'll get to it here in just a moment. I know that the impact of this uh, COVID-19, uh, it's real. And these uncharted waters have been hard on every single one of us. But here's my question, and I want to ask you to raise your hand. You're going, what? Raise my hand? Yes, we have cameras everywhere. Oh, we can see in your home, and you don't even know it. But no, seriously, I want you to raise your hand that if you have ever been through a hard time before in your life, right there in your home, wherever you are, raise your hand. Yeah, we've all been through hard times before. Uh, how many of you are sitting next to that hard time right now? Don't, don't, don't raise your hand. Don't do that. Don't do that because I can't climb through the camera and separate you and kind of help you uh, soothe that out. And neither can I meet with you in person this week uh, because I am isolated myself like many are doing in the world. Uh, not from work, not from life, but I'm just kind of sequestering more than normal uh, to protect not just me, but to protect you. Uh, you may not know it, but there's some folks who need protecting from me, and so i got to keep myself isolated, but also uh, to protect myself as best I can uh, so I can stay healthy, uh, so I can do what I need to do to be with you on the weekend like this. Uh, and so on this morning, though, the very first thing I want to do is I want to give you some hope uh, because I know this has been hard on many of you, and I don't want to just give you some hope. I want to ask you to give those around you some hope because we have all been through hard times before now here's some examples uh in 2000 year 2000 we all lived through y2k i mean we thought it was all going to come to an end but it didn't uh 2001 uh we got past anthrax uh 2002 we got over the west nile virus in 2003 we overcame sars in 2005 we were told the the bird flu is going to take us all out 
and then in 06 there was E. coli, and then there was 08, the Great Recession, right, that caused all these things to tumble around us. Then the swine flu, the pigs were going to get us, and then you had this, uh, this BP oil spill that was just going to cause cataclysmic problems forever, and then in 2012 the Mayan calendar said we're all going to die, right? The world's going to come to an end. 2013, there was North Korea. 2014, the Ebola virus. 2015, it was ISIS. 2016, it was Zika. And church, hear the good news. We lived through it all. God got us through all of it. And God is going to get us here in 2023. This 2019, this 2019, this COVID 2019 virus. He's going to do that also. Uh, right there in your home, will somebody say amen? Will somebody shout yes, praise God, yes? He will get us through this also. Now, this morning, I really want to do some coaching with you. I want to kind of help you kind of reframe in your head on how you and I can get through hard times. Uh, God has designed and wired our brains in a certain way to help us get through hard times. Uh, like when your company uh, does a layoff, uh, like when the company that you run and you operate, whatever the revenue drives up and it goes away, uh, like when you get that phone call, right, and it's bad news about your own diagnosis, it's bad news about somebody that you love, maybe even death, it's bad news about a marriage that is ending, uh, it's bad news about your retirement portfolio, some sort of bad news. Maybe it's bad news that you don't have any toilet paper, whatever it is, right? You know, how do you get through those kind of hard times? Now, I want to tell you something. There are a few guarantees in this life. There are very few, but here's a couple. And this is one of the reasons why God has a marketing problem. Because when you read this thing called the Bible... Uh, this Bible is always going to tell us the truth. And the reason so many of us are in shock right now, we're having a hard time coping and dealing with what's going on, uh, the Bible tells us something that we don't want to hear. Uh, we have bought into this lie of the culture, you know, and the Bible has to say, here it comes, you're not going to like it. This is why God has a marketing problem. Uh, this is why some people have a hard time buying into this book. It says, Jesus, in this world, you will have trouble. Now, some of us have heard that, but it's never really sunk in. Uh, we really don't believe that's true. I mean, we bought into the culture, right? Hey, 1-800-LOSE-FAT. I mean, just wait 100. I mean, immediately, quickly, it's all going to be over. Quickly, you'll be in a perfect state of mind. Uh, but this Bible, it doesn't promise those quick fixes where everything, boom, just like that. It's all taken care of neat and tidy. Uh, this book is a long story. It's a long, but it's a big book. It's a long story, and our lives are a long story. Now, you, when you read this thing called the Bible, and if, if you've never done that, I would encourage you to think about getting one. Uh, if, you, if you need help with some knowing what kind of Bible to buy, text us. Uh, communicate there online. Somebody will give you some ideas. But in the first couple of chapters, this thing called the Bible, it starts off pretty good. It's all good and blessing. Everything is great. It's greatness. And then in chapter 3, everything just kind of falls apart. I mean, the bottom falls out, right? And then in chapter 4, you, uh, you have Cain and Abel, a brother, uh, killing each other. 
And then over in chapter 12, uh, chapter 11, Noah, he gets about as many people as he can, as many animals as he can on that ark, and then the whole world is just almost taken out. I mean, so hard times. I mean, in this world, you will have trouble. I mean, from the get-go, we see this in God's Word, and we don't buy into it. And then in Genesis chapter 12, God calls out Abram, and he sets aside this people called Israel. And it starts off pretty good for them, but it's not long before they find themselves in trouble, and they're in bondage. They're in slavery in Egypt uh, for 40 years. But then there comes a point where God delivers them. And, and here's what God says over here, finally over here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, after you delivered them. He says, listen, I want you to tell your kids right here in verse, uh, verse 20, 21, uh, tell your kids, we were slaves of Pharaoh, but the Lord brought us out. Uh, hey, we were in trouble. Uh, we were hurting. We were in bondage. We were scared to death. Uh, we were really worried about our future. But God delivered us with his almighty hand. Hey, when the coronavirus kicked in in 2020 here in the United States of America, when we felt isolated, when our economy kind of dried up, when I lost my job, my retirement began to shrink, yes, it was real, but God delivered us with a mighty hand. That's what the Bible has to say. Here's the first thing I want to take you. If you want to be a survivor and not a victim, first thing I would have you write down in your notes, believe that God is with me. You got to believe it. Not just say it. You got to believe it. Even though you can't feel it, even though you can't see him, even though maybe you can't hear him, I want to assure you that God is with you right now, even in your home. Now, in my own life, I have been through personally a lot of uncharted waters. I have been through a lot of hard times. I have been with other people going through uncharted waters who are going through hard times. And they also will testify that God was with them and delivered them with his mighty hand, even when they couldn't see him, even when they couldn't feel his presence. I mean, Jesus, the guy we say we follow, uh, there was a moment he was on the cross, and what did he say? Here we are in the season of Lent. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I mean, even Jesus felt like God was silent, like God wasn't there, but he was. And I want to assure you, and you got to claim on to that belief and that promise, you got to believe it down deep in here, that God is with me, and he will deliver me with a mighty hand. Over here in Isaiah 42, uh, Isaiah 43, I love how this passage goes. I think we'll put it on the screen for you in case you don't have a scripture. It goes like this. Uh, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. Even though this, corona, this COVID-19, this coronavirus has taken away your high school graduation, perhaps, has taken away your softball season, has taken away your baseball season, has taken away your senior year, perhaps. Uh, perhaps this coronavirus has, has, has threatened your income. Uh, it has 
created fear because of your own personal health or because of the health of your grandparents or your parents or someone in your family. God says, I am with you, and I will get you through this. Now, I want to read a passage over here in Matthew from the Sermon on the Mount. If you want to find it, it's Matthew chapter 7. The Sermon on the Mount is 5, 6, and 7. And this is what I kind of want to be kind of the foundational uh, scripture as we kind of move through here for the rest of our morning on things in your life to help you survive hard times when the waters are uncharted. And here it comes. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Jesus speaking. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and beat against that house. Anybody here this morning feel like uh, there's storms beating against your house? Is it feeling unshaky? Uh, you feeling a little nervous? You're feeling a little unsure. But look what it says. It beat against that house, but it didn't fall. Why? Is it built its foundation upon the rock. But everyone who does not put these things into, who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came. The strings rose, the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, last weekend, uh, we pointed out that there are a lot of people, sometimes people, who really love Jesus, uh, they really love God, and they believe that God is with them. Uh, they cry out, and they pray to God, and they, they just sit back, and they expect God to swoop in and just deliver them and make everything okay. And sometimes that happens. But more often than not, we learned last week from Acts chapter 27, God will get us about 200 yards from shore. And then he'll say, hey, <laughs> you're going to have to jump in. Uh, you got to dive in. And you got to either swim or you got to grab a plank and just kick like the dickens until you get to the shore. And we learned last weekend that sometimes God expects you and me, if we're going to survive, uh, we got to get skin in the game. Uh, we got to develop some grit and participate in the work that God is doing with his mighty hand into our lives. I, I don't want to tell you, one of the things that drives me crazy is some of these Christians who get wrapped up on this pop psychology, kind of pop Christian psychology, and they'll say stuff like this, well, if you just believe in the truth, if you just believe hard enough, that depression will go away. Hey, if you just believe in the truth hard enough, that anxiety will go away. Hey, if you just believe a little bit more, then all that fear will go away. And when they say that, they're basing that on this one scripture. Some of you probably heard it. It's over uh, in uh, John chapter 8 where Jesus said, hey, you should know the truth, right? Uh, and, should, and the truth will set you free. Now, that is true, okay? That is absolutely true. But what about the verse 31 right before that? And it's connected to the Sermon on the Mount passage. He says, if you practice my teaching, if you walk in my ways... If you do what I ask you to do, then you will be my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set 
you free. In other words, you got to participate and practice, practice the teachings of Jesus, particularly in this time right here, if you're going to be delivered. Now, I'm going to share some things that I think that how God has wired our brain, how God's designed us, some practices to help us get through all this. But first of all, I want to take you back to 2008. Uh, some of you remember 2008, or at least you heard stories of it. Uh, 2008 was the Great Recession, uh, and it was terrible. And if you were in the financial industry, or if you were in real estate business, or if you had a mortgage, if you had a retirement, if you owned a business where money touched it in any way, it turned your world and your life upside down. Uh, that is in time when some of the biggest financial brokers and banks in the world were closing up and shutting down. It's that very same year that John McCain, he was running for president. He proposed that they postpone the nomination, I mean the election, because things were so bad. Now, in your church at that time, there was a CEO of a local brokerage, and he called me. He's a part of the church. He said, man, Rick, uh, I, can I come chat with you? He said, yeah. So we came by the office. We're sitting there visiting, and he started saying, my, my brokers, man, they are just so messed up. They are desperate, and they feel so horrible. They didn't see this coming, and their clients are just so upset. And we sent this letter out to all of our clients. And we're getting the, our, our, our brokers are getting the letters back from the clients, and they got this red pen, and they've written to all of our brokers stuff like this, uh, you crook, uh, you belong in jail, I hope you go to hell, you ruined my life. And he says, man, uh, can you help me help my brokers? Uh, and I said, yeah, and that's awful. I, I think I can help you. I want to help you and help your brokers, but I also want to help your clients uh, because your clients... They have just had their world turned upside down. Uh, many of them lost all the money for their kids' education. Uh, some of them had college dreams just wiped away. Some of their retirement totally taken away. Jobs they were counting on for a long time. They lost their houses. They lost so much. And here's what I believe. I believe if we can help your brokers, your brokers can help your clients. Listen to me, church. I want to help you not just to help you, so you can help your neighbor, you can help your boss, you can help your employees, so you can spread the hope that so many people need in this world. So I said, are you game? He said, yeah, I'm game. So here's what we did. I said, I want you to call in uh, your eight top performers, first of all. So we called in his eight top performers, and I got him in a room uh, over, over his office, and I just very simply asked him two questions. And here's the first question. I said, in the past six months, what's been going on in your life? What, what has life been for you in the past six months? Second question, in the past six months, what has life been for your clients? That was it. And they started talking. The first one said, man, uh, I'm, I'm at dinner at night. And my kid goes, dad, 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 dad. I go, why, 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 why? Dad, I'm talking to you. I didn't hear my kid. Uh, I was just in a day, just staring in the middle of nowhere. Just wasn't even where my kids were there. Another one said, I can't even pick up the phone call. I've been in this business for 30 years. Uh, I make my life by the telephone. I can't even pick up the phone to call another person. I was just so down. Uh, another one said, man, I wake up every morning just staring at the ceiling at 232. 
No one said, ha, ha, really, my time is 413. No one said, oh, really, uh, my, my time is 112. And no one said, I just go to the office and I just sit and stare out the window. Uh, just for hours, I just sat there, listened, just asking a question to get them to share more. Now, here's what was amazing what happened. Uh, that, that CEO of that little firm, uh, those eight people just started gushing with thanksgiving to him. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for loving us so much to create this opportunity because instantly they started feeling better by sharing what was going on inside of them. Now, you may not know this, but you take a monkey and you stress a monkey out. I mean, you just make a monkey all You scare the monkey, right? And you test the monkey. You're going to see their hormones are out the ceiling. But you put another monkey in the cage with them, measure their stress hormones, they automatically, instantly cut in half. Fact. Science. Here's the next thing I want you to put down in your message notes on how you're going to survive. You got to get and stay connected. You got to get and stay connected. Now, I'm going to stop right here. Yes, practice uh, social distancing as they mean it. That isn't staying physically six foot apart. But I want to encourage you to change the language. Reframe your thinking. Not social distancing, but call it physical distancing. Because now more than ever, you need to get and stay connected to other people. It's imperative for the well-being of your soul that you do that. Now, here's how God has wired and desired our brains. When hard times come, uh, you and I experience this pressure, and we experience from all these different directions at least four. I want to call these the four corners of the universe. And I think I can do this right here. I'm going to kind of move a little bit. Let me make sure. Am I still on the camera okay here, guys? Okay. So the four corners of the universe of your brain. In your brain, uh, it really kind of has like a big old map, four corners. Okay, and when you experience all of this pressure from all the hard times and uncharted waters, the way God has made and designed you, the very first thing that you and I do is that we run and we have no connection. No connection. I mean, we run and we isolate ourselves. We just kind of go inward. I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm not going to show what I think, what I feel. We run and we go inward. We disconnect. If you don't do it physically, you do it mentally and you do it emotionally and you go inward. That's a natural flight mentality in the way God has wired our brains. It's what so many of us do. I mean, tell me what happened in the Garden of Eden. What's the very first thing in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve, when they got through a hard time, they ran and they hid. I'm telling you, now is not the time for you to run and hide. Second thing that happens, I'll either no connect and quickly I'll no connect, but then I will go to a bad connection. That's bad connection. And what I mean by that, that's when we do what Adam and Eve did, is we start shaming and blaming, and we begin by shaming ourselves. Oh, I see it happen all the time in a marriage. Oh, if I would have just done more, maybe we could have made it. A loved one dies. Oh, I wasn't there enough. I should have helped them. If only I would have talked to that doctor or that nurse, I would have, oh, if I would have just done more. 
I see it uh, all the time when it comes to finances. Oh, if we just would have saved more. If I would have done it. And we start to play the what-if games, and we just heap it on and heap it on and heap it on. And, man, if, if I should have, why didn't I? Why didn't I? Why didn't I? Uh, we shame ourselves. And then so often in our brains, it just flips, and we start blaming. Because if I'm hurting and my life is so messed up and the world is messed then somebody had to do something wrong. Somebody had to mess up. And so we started blaming people, right? And you did this, you did that, you did that. And man, are, is that happening in any of your homes right now? Uh, y'all been together so much, right, in such close quarters, uh, you find yourself dividing. Uh, see, we disperse when Jesus' disciples, when they came and took the disciples, the first thing they did, took Jesus away, the disciples dispersed, they ran away. And the next thing the devil does, and that word devil, the etymology of the word devil is divider, right? Whenever you go through something in your company, whenever you go through something in your family, in your marriage, with a team, one of the first things that happens when hard times occur is people start dividing. That's exactly what the evil one wants to do. So you turn upon each other. Uh, what did Adam and Eve do? Oh, he did it. He did it. She did it. He did it. The devil did it. Man, it's just so indicative. And then, so that's what the devil wants to do in hard times. He, first of all, denied you to get you, to get you uh, uh, diverse, get you to run away, uh, to separate you, then to divide you through bad connections and relationships. And then thirdly, what he's going to do, I don't see how can I do this. I'll do it like this. It's a false, that's an F, false connection, F O F. S-E, connection. Boy, this is bad. This is live. Uh, that's supposed to be connection. False connection right there. So a false connection is this. So your marriage, you isolate yourself. Uh, your marriage kind of gets in a bad connection. You're shaming and blaming. You're feeling bad. And then what happens? You're down here. False connection. Some woman, some man comes upon you and they go, hey, I'm sorry you're going through this. Uh, you don't deserve that. And all of a sudden, they start making you feel good through this false connection, and you get a false sense of goodness. That's what happens when you start drinking too much. That's what happens when you get hooked on some sort of medication. You are medicating yourself with this false connection, this false goodness to cover up the pain of what you're experiencing up here. And what the devil is doing, he's taking your isolation He's taking your bad connection. He's taking your false connections that make promises they can't keep to separate you from real connection. I mean from real connection with God and with one another. That's what the evil one wants to do. Because here's what I want you to hear. When you are really connected to God, uh, when you are really connected with other people, there is power in that. There is incredible power when you are really connected to God and really connected with people who are connected to God. In fact, uh, I don't know if God can be threatened or not. It's kind of a hard thing to imagine that God can be threatened. But over in Genesis chapter 11, uh, we're told that, that God brings all the angels around. The people are building this tower to Babel, right? And they say, listen. Man, if these people are unified, they're unified. They're going to bring this tower all the way, these sinful people, up to heaven. Uh, we've got to stop them. And so God dispersed them into different languages. Amazing. Because when you and I are one, when we're unified, uh, great things happen. In fact, the Scripture says nothing can stop them. Nothing, and nothing will be impossible for them. That's what it says. Go check it out in Genesis chapter 11. 
And then when Jesus is going to the garden and he's praying, he prays for you and me. And he says right there in that verse in John chapter 17, Father, I pray that they will be one just like you and I are one. He prays for the unity of you and me, not just for our well-being, but later on in that chapter, he says this way, God, and I just don't pray for that they be one. I pray that those who don't even know me may be one. What's he saying? That when you and I are really connected with God, and we're really connected with one another, God will use us in the world like such a time as this that the whole world can become one. I have this vision that God is going to take this pandemic that's created so much confusion in the world and that God's going to unify us as a people like he never has before. Real connection. you got to stay and you got to get connected. Now, here's number three. And here's where I'm going to kind of give you some practical things. I'm going to start picking up kind of some steam here. Uh, Number three is I want you to focus this week on what you can control. Focus, number three, on what you can control. I want you to get your journal. Here's my journal. I want you to get a T account. And I want you to put on the left-hand side the things that are going on right now that you can't control that causes all these fears, all these emotions you're having right now. How you can't have full control on guaranteeing that your kid's going to be sick. Uh, you don't have this full control on guaranteeing that your parents, your grandparents are not going to get sick and get seriously ill. Uh, you can't control that you're going to have fully access to, to a test, to a shot. Uh, you can't guarantee that you're going to keep your job and that your income stream is going to keep coming or that you're going to have enough in your retirement. Write all those things down. What? That you don't have enough toilet paper. What? That you can't control, right? Whatever. Put that on the left-hand side. And then I want you to stare at it for 10 or 15 minutes and I want you to worry. I want you to worry, 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 obsess with it until you almost throw up. till you can't sleep kind of worry, okay? And then put a timer on it. Then I want you to go to the right-hand side. Can control. Put can control or put survivor. Uh, You could put on the left-hand side victim. Victims focus on what they can't control. Survivors focus on what they can control. And the biggest thing is you can control your mindset. You can control how you think. You can control your your stinking thinking. That is your attitude. It takes work, but you can do that. Here's an old-fashioned suggestion. Get some Post-it notes. Put them all over your house. And just post on those post-it notes what you can control and spread them out everywhere, uh, your attitude. You can control what you eat. You can control uh, when you exercise. You can control when you're going to get up. You can control when you're going to go to bed. You can control uh, what you're going to have a playtime with your kids. You can control putting your kids to bed and having some time with your spouse. You can control your 15 minutes or maybe your 30 minutes with God in the morning. You can control your prayer life. Continue to grab a hold of what you can't control of. Uh, in 2008, there was just one particular broker. Uh, he was just really stuck in a bad place. And he said, Pastor, I ruined so many people's lives. All my clients hate me. They hate me. They hate me. They hate me. I said, they can't really hate you. Oh, no, they hate me. They tell me I ruined their life. And I said, well, tell me, how many clients do you have? And he said, I have a couple of hundred thousand, I guess. I mean, a couple of hundred, a couple of hundred I said, wow, that's a lot of clients. I said, how many brokers do you think there are in the Johnson County, Tarrant County area? He said, probably 100,000 or so. I said, wow, man, do you realize you hit the jackpot? Dude, you're in perfect position for success. What are you talking about, man? What are you talking about? I said, "Uh, well, think about this. Uh, You didn't do anything wrong, and all of your clients hate you. 
And so if your other broker friends, if they didn't do anything wrong and they're all hated, go get their clients. Go get them, right? I mean, what are you talking about? Here's what I want you to do. Simple thing. I want you to go to every event, every golf tournament, every softball game, every PTA, every experience that you can, and I want you to meet people and ask this one simple question. Here's what it is. Hey, Joey, uh, how have your finances been performing the past six months? Just how they've been doing and what's he going to say? Well, he's going to say, terrible. And you're going to say, hey, Joey, it just so happens that uh, I'm in the business of that sort of thing. Would you mind if I look at it and see if I can help you? Yeah, he'll, he'll say, yeah, I don't mind. I say, can you do that? He said, yeah, I can do that. He had the best year ever. In the lowest time in the 2008, he had the most because he took control on what he could control of. So that's the first thing right here, critical. you got to control, focus on what you can control. And that takes me to, to, the, to the next thing. I want you to create structure. you got to create structure. That's number four, create structure. In Genesis chapter 1, uh, God creates the night and he creates the day. And he separates it, night and light, and calls it a day. Then he divides it up into seven days and he calls it a week. And then it's a month. God has created your brain to function in a circadian rhythm. That means that you, in this time of chaos and disequilibrium, you have got to create your own structure on what you can control. Right? We just talked about it. You can control when you eat. You can control when you go to bed. You can control when you get up. You can get up in the morning and get dressed just like you're going to work. Even if you can't, get up and get dressed. Don't laze around all day. Just don't watch television all day. Have a structure and a plan for each day for when you're going to exercise, when you're going to read, when you're going to study, when you're going to play with your kids, when you're going to spend time with your spouse. Structure when you're going to infuse new knowledge and information into your life. Uh, we're doing that here at the church. Uh, we're creating a new structure to help you engage. That's why you need to go be connected to our website. You have got to be connected to our social media platform. Uh, your staff is meeting a new structure every Monday morning at 9 o'clock, virtual conference call, your leadership team, planning how are we going to get through this week. We'll probably meet again on Wednesday. We may meet again on Friday. You'll hear from me probably in the middle of the week sometime or on Friday night. We'll do it like this again. So you've got to create structure, not just to be served, but to serve. We have our mobile food pantry coming up this week. You can participate in that. We're calling all the members of the church, trying to connect with them. We're serving groceries to our seasoned seniors. Uh, we are trying to uh, taking groceries to seasoned seniors. We are uh, doing something for our True Worth friends to make sure they are taken care of and they are connected. Go to the website and create structure where you and your family are also going to serve others. Create a rhythm. Structure means to build. Structure means to have a, a scaffolding to build something. It means who, when, where. It's people, time, and place. People, time, and place. So every day, people, time, and place. You answer those questions. Who am I going to connect with? Or how am I going to do it? When and where? Just get all that focused out. Here's number five. I want to encourage you to see the longer narrative. See the longer narrative. Hey, I know right now what you're going through is tough. It's challenging. And I know it's real. I know it's very, very real. Uh, the fear. I read all your, your comments from last Friday night. The fear. Uh, the isolation. Uh, the concern, the physical concerns, the mental concerns, the emotional concerns, 
it, there's no doubt. But I want to assure you, this right here is just a short scene in the long narrative of your life. Uh, 9-1-1, it didn't, 9-11, it didn't last forever. It felt like it was going to last forever. 9-11 didn't last forever. Um, the 2008 recession, the Great Recession, it didn't last forever. And this is not going to last forever either. you got to back up and be the bigger picture that your kids are still going to be okay. Uh, you're still going to have a good life. Uh, you're going to be able to get married even though the wedding was, for, was postponed. Uh, you're going to find another job if you lost your job. Uh, there is a bigger picture here. The Scripture says that he who started a good work in you, he will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. You've got to have an understanding. This is a much smaller scene. I mean, to all of you who are happily married, uh, if you were here in the house, I'd ask you to raise your hand. Hey, how many of you are happily married? A lot of you would raise your hand. But then I follow up another question. Uh, how many of you had a nightmare relationship? You know what I'm talking about, that prom date? Hey, you know that date from uh, the pit of you know where? You went, oh, my gosh. Man, if that would have been the total focus of your life, but thank goodness so many people don't marry their prom date, right? Uh, I, I had two of our sons. They married their prom date. It's turned out great. It's been really good. But for many of us, uh, we're going to have nightmares before we experience the beauty of what you have right now. Even the marriage that's lasted long and is good and solid, uh, many of them have a COVID-19 season in their life before that because it's just a season. It's a small area. Think about a chick flick, right? I mean, you go see a chick flick, a romantic comedy. Perhaps that's the more politically correct term. There's always one place in the movie designed for the female primarily, but sometimes men do it. I can do it. You go, oh, no, I just thought they were going to get together. No, 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 no. He did this. She did this. Oh, no, oh, no. And, uh, you know, there's all, oh, and the guy sitting by him, the wise guy who took him to him, he's just sitting there all calm, all cool. You know, I, I got this. I know everything's going to be packed. Hey, don't worry, honey. It's going to be okay. Uh, and it's not because they saw it on the plane, but they might have. It's because they knew uh, this was a small scene in the longer narrative. In this book, we know how the story ends. And the story ends, those that are in Christ, I've never seen anyone who functions down here, who stays down here, who runs here, real connecting to each other and God not make it. But people who have no connection, people who have bad connection, people who get into bad connections, they struggle making it. But you stay down here in the long narrative, you will make it. You will. And here's the last thing I would share with you, is that you've got to answer the question, what is my transcendent why? What is my transcendent why? These are just things you've got to practice if you're going to build your life on the solid rock. Every marriage, you've got to ask yourself, why am I really married? And it's not just for the romance. It's not just for the feel good. There's something bigger, even more. Why am I really married? Hey, why do I have this job? Why? What's the why? It's more than a paycheck. Why am I a part of the church? Why? Why do I miss being in fellowship in the real time? Why? Why am I a part of the church? It's bigger than just you. It's so God might use me in the world to be a light of hope in a world that needs hope. You've got to hang on to your transcendent why as you're struggling through all of this. Uh, I'll never forget our firstborn, Justin. Uh, and he was very young when Dallas and I went through the Wichita Falls tornado. Uh, it was a frightening experience for all of us. Uh, uh, well, Dallas went through Wichita Falls tornado, but the frightening thing was that we had a tornado when Justin was young. 
And when Justin was young, Dallas was still kind of wrestling from the fear of that first tornado, the disruption of it. And we had a tornado warning, and we had to go climb with a little old baby, climb underneath the house. They had this peering beam, and we're down there all scared, and fear just all over Justin's face. And as he grew up, he began to have this fear. And um, uh, Justin and Laura are probably watching online right now from Dallas over over northern part of Dallas. And uh, Good morning, son. I love you. And uh, I, I remember how Justin was so fearful, and he was going to come climb in our own bed because he was just so afraid. And I remember one night, I said, no, I'll be, no, my son is not going to grow up and live in fear. And he tried to come into our bedroom, and I said, no, you're not coming in. You are not, you're not, no, you're not. I know some of your parents right now going, what? How kind of a cruel parent are you? He had been in our bed many times. He had slept in our room many times all night. And finally, I had a why. And here was this. I know what fear does to people. Uh, fear is like a cancer. And when fear gets in you, it can erode you from the inside. And I'll say, my son's not going to grow up in fear. He would call us when he went to go spend the night. I said, Dad, uh, come pick me up. And I said, no, you're going to have to hang in there. Uh, you are going to push through this. I am not going to let you be controlled by fear. That was my why. That why as a parent, to make sure my son did not have that cancer in his life. And today, uh, he's primarily paid by commission in what he does. He's in this uh, thing called uh, commercial real estate. And I just talked to him this week, and there was a confidence. There was a certainty. And he wasn't afraid because I had a why. What's your why? What is your why? And you just got to take the steps, step by step by step by step, this survival guide, and you will get through this. I remember when I was in college, and I was afraid of, of failing calculus uh, again. <laughs> And I had done so bad on it the first time I was taking it over. I didn't have to take it over, but I wanted to take it over. And, then, and I got so paralyzed with taking the class is that every time the class would come up, I would go play golf. Uh, you ever done that? Uh, you were afraid of dealing with something. You would go do something else. And so I, I would go and I would play golf. And uh, eventually, you know, I came home one day and my, my roommate there is Donnie Davis. And he said, hey, Rick, what are you doing? I said, well, you know, I must be doing calculus, but... I went and played golf. He said, hey, listen, go look up this Bible verse. Well, he gave me a Bible verse, it's Proverbs, and it was this. Watch the ants, you sluggard. And I said, what does that mean, sluggard? I'm not a sluggard. And I looked it up, and it said, someone who avoids pain. So the calculus class comes around again. And instead of going to class, I didn't go to class. I went and played golf. And while I was gone, my girlfriend then, she had bought me this little ant form. I told her what had happened and put this little ant form right there uh, in my apartment. And came back from golf, and I looked at it and said, well, those ants, they're not doing, what do you mean? Those ants look like sluggards to me. They're just moving very slow. There's nothing happening here. And instead of going to calculus class, I went and played golf again. And then I came back. And when I came back, it was amazing. Uh, these little ants, just piece by piece, step by step by step, they built a city. And they restored something that had been destroyed. One step at a time. Church, I want you to hear me. God is with you. God is for you. But you've got to practice a step at a time. You've got to stay and get connected. You've got to focus on what you can control. You've got to have structure in your life right now when everything is falling apart. You, you have to create the structure. 
you have to be thinking about your transcendent why, the bigger thing. And you got to look at the big picture, the lo- not this little piece, but the big picture. And when you do, you'll have a confidence and you'll have a strength that God got me through that and God with a mighty hand will get us out of this. I ended last week our small group video and our video to the body on Friday night with this, 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 10. Uh, he has delivered us. He will deliver us. He will continue to deliver us. Say that with me. He has delivered us. He will deliver us. He will continue to deliver us. One more time. He has delivered us. He will deliver us. He will continue to deliver us. He will. And not only us, but others. So he's going to do it again over and over and over and over and over and over. Let us give our tithes and offerings. Let's do that so he can use us for exactly that purpose. Walking around these walls. I thought by now they'd fall, but you have never failed me yet. Waiting for a change to come, knowing the battle's won, for you have never failed me yet. promise still stands great is your faithfulness faithfulness I'm still in your hands this is my confidence so oh, you never failed me yet oh. never failed this God I know the night won't last Your word will come to pass My heart will sing your praise again Jesus, you're still enough Keep me within your sing your praise again always sing to you God your promise still stands great is your faithfulness faithfulness still in your hands this is my confidence so you never fail still says great is your faithfulness faithfulness still in your head this is my confidence you never failed me yet 
never fail the snow. Come on, let's sing this together in confidence. I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe I see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way, and I believe I see you do it again. I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe. I see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way. And I believe it. I see you do it again. I see you move. You move the mountains. And I believe I see you do it again. You made a way where there was no time your promise your promise still stands great is your faithfulness faithfulness still in your hands this is my confidence you've never failed me yet oh you've never failed me yet no come on sing it I never will forget Oh, you never fail me yet. So, you want to build your house upon the rock? Walk and practice in his ways. And he will deliver us. He has delivered us. He will deliver us. He will continue to deliver us. Say with me again. He has delivered us. He will deliver us. He will continue to deliver us. One more time. He has delivered us. He will deliver us. He will continue to deliver us all through this week. And we'll see you next Sunday. Bye. We love you and we're praying for you.